0: I think I need a change. The rat race I want to flee. My world I'll rearrange. I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be. Growing gardens, picking fruit, raising livestock, living free.
1: Hello, this is your host, Rachel Jamieson, and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Um, November is the month that I finally have been able to sit down and spend some time with Jill Baker, who actually in my life is a good friend and, um, and has been one of my mentors and teachers for several years. She lives in Michigan and owns, with her husband, Baker's Green Acres. So welcome to the podcast, Jill.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. So your titles, you are many, many hats on your homestead. Um, You guys actually do have not just a homestead, but a working farm where you actually have a business out of that. Um, You're a mom and a wife and a homeschool mom. And you do a lot of stuff with health and wellness. And then you have all of your entrepreneurial things going on with your farm. What does your farm look like? that you guys have what's going on on your farm right now
2: ah oh right now oh let's see we're getting ready to harvest the thanksgiving turkeys this month um getting ready to start harvesting beef and pigs uh, we have classes coming up actually this weekend is our hog harvest so we'll start that processed uh, we do things very seasonally so we're finishing up chickens and getting ready to do beef and pigs, um, turkeys help. That's like the period on the chicken season. Um, we custom process for other people, chickens, any small animals, um, rabbits, anything with feathers. So that comes to an end with Thanksgiving. We're always happy to start in the spring and glad to be done at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right. Um, that's, yeah, the garden's about done. We do a big garden just for us. We don't, I don't right. do vegetables for other people because that would be too much. But um, we sell, we do the chickens as a CSA um, and, you know, you can get one chicken in the CSA if that's what you want. Uh, <laughs> <we've>, <laughs> and we also s- sell the pork and the beef as shares of an animal too.
1: Right. You guys have milk cows too correct
2: yes we do i missed that in the i was running through like all the places on the farm running through my map to try and remember and yes yeah yeah, we do uh herd shares we have our own milk make butter and cheese most most of our food probably comes off our farm so
1: that's cool i know your milk is like oh it's addictive i i could sit and just drink that all day. It's amazing.
2: Yes. If you love fat, it is incredible with the yeah. jerseys and the
1: guernseys. Yeah. That milk fat, you can just, it's just so thick and so creamy. And you guys, you guys, yours are all grass fed. Yeah. 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 Right there yep. on your acres. Now how many acres do you guys have?
2: Um, 72. Well, no, no, that's wrong. I think Mark said it's 152 now because yeah, we
1: Just the neighbor property.
2: Yeah, yeah. We just got the eighty next door to us. So now we have it. was ours was an original homesteaded eighty. Okay. From back in the day when they were settling it, and there's been a little corner of it that's gotten split off. uh, Got split off before we got it for their son, and then sold and so on and so on. Um, But then we just got the eighty next door to us. So now we've got. A lot of land. That's really
1: right. So you guys have you guys have all of that going on. Did you grow up on a farm? Kinda. Um,
2: <laughs> my grandpa had a huge farm, and he had beef cows and raised hay and corn and all that for them. He actually raised oats and had a dryer and oh wow, a whole okay. nine yards. Yep.
1: So he did, he was like your grain farmer.
2: Um, he he just did it for his horses and cows. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So just small scale, but he, when he started his farm, you did everything on the farm. Right. So all the processes happened right there. So that's why he had the grain dryer and he grew his, all the grain that he fed to his cows and processed it and stored it. And you didn't go to the feed store. You just grew it. Um,
1: I think we're we're kind of working our way back around to that model.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's what Mark's been working on with our pigs. We don't do the grains so much. We haven't rained except for the rye. Right. But with our model, then the animals just go out and do the harvesting. We don't have to harvest it and store it for them.
1: Yeah, I really want to have him on to talk about that because that's always part of your farm that I've appreciated the most and wanted and now that i have acreage i really want to learn from from mark doing that it's just uh it just seems really the most natural way to raise pigs and you mm-hmm. guys great i mean and then you have your cows too which are grass-fed so yeah. yeah yeah we
2: take them yeah the more that you work with nature the more less uh energy intense it is
1: Right. Yeah. Overall. I mean, why why not? Pigs love to root, so why not let them do it? Instead of yeah. going out and storing it. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes sense. So did you ever think when you were a little girl, did you ever think that you would be where you're at right now? Like being a farm farmer and entrepreneur and
2: Yeah, I didn't anticipate. I didn't say, oh, I want to have my own business and be an entrepreneur. Um, but <laughs> my dream was to have a like a therapy ranch oh kind of like peace ranch near you That's cool okay where you know, with the horses and and uh I forget now who I thought would come. but <laughs> anyway <laughs> that was my idea. And okay. I actually kind of did that for a while because in my former life, I was an occupational therapist. Right, and I became a certified hippotherapist, so I was using horses as a therapeutic modality right. with handicapped kids and I loved it okay um like Do kind you think of
1: about revisiting that now that you have an extension on your property for
2: no okay I kinda have let that dream go
1: right. um <laughs> times I don't two, even yes.
2: I don't even have horses anymore, which. Okay, it's kind I didn't of realize sad. you guys
1: got rid of them because I knew you had a couple a while back. So. Yeah,
2: well, they died.
1: Oh,
2: <laughs> they <just well>. died. <laughs> One got sick and one just got old. Okay. But, um, but it's just too busy doing what oh, yeah. we're doing, yeah. and I let my OT okay. certifications all go. So, yep. But I still have that holistic perspective. Right. Yeah, you still have all that. Yeah in the idea of working using nature as a therapeutic modality and i think that that's a lot of the ideas the mentality that got me into ayurveda right yeah
1: and, and, and learning can you explain what ayurveda is
2: ayurveda is in eastern medicine really it's a system of medicine um much like Chinese medicine, except it hails out of India instead okay. of China. Okay. Um, it's uh, it literally means study of life or life study.
1: So, do you so, use um, you use a lot of herbs and food? Do you use is movement used in that as well?
2: Yeah, everything. Um, I don't do as much with the herbs. Part of it. Okay. Because I've gotten what I need. And a lot of the people that I've coached and taught just using the lifestyle techniques
1: okay.
2: that Ayurveda teaches. Because uh, <laughs> what to eat is only one tenth of all the lifestyle habits that I work with. Right. But all of them are about using nature. For healing, it's just using what's around you, because God's given us everything we need, right, for life and godliness. Right. And so, life—life life of your body, life of your spirit, life of your mind—it's all around us. It's just learning how to use it and appreciating that it's there. Um, Mark heard a quote from, I think it was Penny Kelly yesterday. I don't remember now who he was listening to but it was to the effect that we've been trained that our life is tied to our money.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. So we think, well, I have to be able to afford to go see the doctor in order to be healthy. I have to be able to afford the pills or the supplements. Even, even if it's herbal supplements, everybody thinks that they need to be on something and that just isn't so. Everything we need is around us right now it's just a matter of learning how to leverage things like the sunrise and the sunset
1: right. or yeah circadian rhythms and right, light right. And dark
2: incredibly and, powerful um
1: yeah. I know that um that natural light has been a huge when I started embracing using natural light in my life that has been a huge uh I've just seen a huge improvement in my health and my sleep patterns. Right. That sunrise yeah. and sunset and um, yeah.
2: Yeah, your sleep patterns, After your digestion, instead
1: of like what I have right now, which is an LED light <laughs> hanging over me. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Well, you have what you have.
1: Right. right. Yeah. But yeah, you can you can embrace as much as you can and. Exactly. Yeah. Do
2: what you can. Yep. yep.
1: Do what you can where you're at. Exactly. Like the motto, every time we end this podcast, I say, grow your planted. So we we're, we do yeah. what we can with what we have. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And so the other thing that you guys do that I'm familiar with, but I didn't do it on the scale that you did, was homeschooling. I only had <laughs> two slash three children to homeschool. And you guys have homeschooled your kids. And you have how many children?
2: We have eight of them all together. Yeah. And now three of them. Yeah. Only three of them are married. Um, and a few grandkids.
1: So, so how does that work with your daily schedule? I mean, you guys have how many, don't you guys have like two or three milk cows? I don't know how many pigs you have. Um, how does that work? How do you, how you be like the entrepreneur mom, the wife, the homeschool mom, the farm mom. I mean, that's, you've got a lot on your plate. How do you manage all of that? And I know you only have three home now, but at one time you had a lot, you know, you had yeah. several home and that's yeah. kind of when we met, I think when we met um, my youngest who worked for you for a while was probably about t- 10. So that was like 12 years ago. So you had, you had pretty busy we had though, seven. Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. At home then,
1: so how do you manage all that? Like, what does your day look like, and how do you integrate homeschooling into all of this?
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't, you don't worry about having to do it all perfectly. That's for sure, because um, we haven't <laughs> by any means, and you know it suffers one place or another sometimes. But yeah. doing just what has to be done. I really admire and wish I could be those moms that get to take their kids all over the place on field trips and all of that because that right. just hasn't been what we did. But we the farm and the schooling just incorporated together a lot. Right. The kids have learned a ton of science. They handle money because I pay them out of the we with the butcher shop. That's income for the farm. And so they get paid for their work there. They get paid when they help with classes, but then they have expenses. Right. So they have learned to handle money. They've learned to budget. They learn customer service skills, how to talk on the phone with people, all of these life skills right? that give meaning to They're reading, writing, and arithmetic. Um, We probably unschool as much as we school, (laughs) but they love to learn and all the ones that have graduated and left have learned what they needed to learn to do what they needed to do.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: And that's what all of us do as adults really anyway. So when they can graduate, loving to learn, being interested in learning and seeing that as a value and having the skills to be able to learn. So they can read, they can write. Um Yeah. They spell to various degrees, but they know how to use the tools to figure it out. They can do the math they need to do.
1: Right. And they can That's always they further mean. that if they want to.
2: Right. Right. They, they understand the basics of history mm-hmm. and the value of understanding where we've come to know where we're going. Government and constitution—they've learned all of these. They've learned them, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it has been practical, and that's just because of the farm,
1: right? And so, so how does that like? How does it work? So, do you have? I'm sure, at least part partially, you have some sit down time with them. Obviously, if they learned how to read and write and do basics, Um, so how does that work? Do you guys get up at like 4 a.m. and? (laughs) and and milk the cows i mean or do you guys kind of just fit school in where it fits maybe at noon after the animals have gotten their stuff done how does how does that work for you guys because i mean as a homeschooler or a retired homeschooler now i realize the more homeschoolers you meet the more versions of homeschooling you find because Mm -hmm. it's just each family when once you've done it long enough you kind of let go of what you think it should look like and what other <laughs> schools school. look like and what your friend is doing. And you just kind of make it yours and you do what works for your family. So what has, what does yours look like in that aspect? Like, how do you combine like the chores and schoolwork? And then I, I know that you guys have also had some of yours in high school, go to school locally. Right? So, yeah. yeah. Have you made all those decisions and.
2: <laughs> A lot of the schooling just fits gets fit in, okay. but I've also learned over time. Now the boys are old enough this year. It's working, but okay. If they do it in the afternoon, but otherwise I, I kind of have to hold the line. You go do your chores and then we have to do school in the morning because okay. <laughs> once they get outside and they get working, yeah, I've lost them. Yeah. Forget it. Even if they come in and we try and do it after lunch, I don't have their brains anymore. So right. there's, you know, we can do little things. We kick the ball down the field, but right. we don't get goals in the morning or in the afternoon. So right. yeah, it kind of has a flow and a structure, but no time frames because yeah. every day's different. And right now with the butchering, we have to squeeze it into about two or three days. Right. With the, I feel like it's taken me all of these kids to finally get curriculums that I like and that work for us.
1: Your group. Yes, yes. <laughs>
2: yes. And they don't have grades. So we use the Life of Fred math, which yeah, is was
1: just coming out when my kids were done. And I was like, man, I'm bummed. This looks way better than the stuff we ever used.
2: <laughs> it is my, now you can't jump in, in the middle of it. Right. So. Yeah. I tried to do that with my older kids and it didn't work because he teaches so many advanced skills so young. Okay, Kids can actually learn these things. And in the form of a story, they learn it great, but there's no grades with it. And our language arts didn't really have grades. And so that's been a challenge, but.
1: Right. Yeah. I know it's really hard for It's hard to explain to people that um, have not homeschooled or that used more traditional curriculum how we graded our children because my kids never got grades either. And then, of course, we had to do diplomas and all three of my kids have gone on to college. And so that was interesting presenting that to college, but they got accepted and they all did very well. I mean, all of them have been on the dean's list, but... You know, we didn't do grades either. And it's hard for people to wrap their mind around how that works. So it, it is very different.
2: Yeah. But yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Well,
2: I've always said it's a pass fail. Either you know it or you don't know it. Right. And so then I feel like I can legitimately give them B's or A's. Yeah. When I have to put it on their um, transcript.
1: Yeah. Can you teach it to somebody else? Then you probably know it pretty well. Right. But... Or if
2: you can use it. Right. Or and if, if
1: you can use it daily. I mean, obviously, you know, your kids can use math if they can help out in the butcher shop and talk to customers and take payment. And, you know, yeah, they know mm-hmm. math. They know that part of math. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I get them done in the morning and then the afternoon is when I have to do my stuff. <laughs> right. Because you for <laughs> the business. I mean, you guys which, a lot going on. Yeah. Gets a little hairy sometimes because that's not my good time either mentally, but it has to be. Or I'm doing things while they're doing their school.
1: Right. Yeah. Which
2: we all know multitasking is not an effective way to actually get things done. But it's what you got to do sometimes. So
1: yeah, we're starting to, I've been doing, I run a book club for you. And right now we're doing the book lean farming. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I was looking into batch tasking and, um, you've been looking into some of the aspects of lean and through that, you know, you do realize that this multitasking thing isn't all that it was at least for me and a lot of, I mean, it might work in some aspects, but for sometimes with like this farming or like your, what you're saying with like schooling, I've found that I do better if I have like a tech day, one tech day a week Mm -hmm. um, where I'm just on the computer and I just get in the zone. Cause I, and I, it probably depends on your personality too. I probably, I have some very ADHD tech tendencies. And so it takes me a long time to get in the groove and and once I do, I can hyper-focus for hours and hours and hours, but switching from task to task for me is difficult and I waste a lot of time. So I started having like a tech day and and you're, you're saying that with your, your schooling and stuff like that, it works better that way too. And even running your business. Yeah. It doesn't
2: always happen that way, but
1: right. it's hard to do. Yeah.
2: That's the goal. Yeah. 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 Um, I've also been using some, I use a bullet journal. Okay, And I've been listening to a lot of business people. So, you know, when you start to think you want your homestead to be a business, you have to think business.
1: Right. You want
2: to be selling stuff and making money. You have to think of it as a business that has homestead products, not a farm that sells stuff. It's a different mentality. And when I've started learning how to run a business... That's a whole different thing, and I've gotten way better at doing it.
1: Right. Um, you because you have, go ahead.
2: Oh, because you do learn some of the lean farm things, or like batch tasking. Because nobody actually multitasks. I don't know who came up with that as a great idea. And sometimes it's just life. You know, when you're a mom, you got little kids running. Or, there's always two or three things going on. It's just the nature of life. Right. Um. But. It does work much better to batch task where, okay, we're getting chores done. Right. Now we're doing school. That's all we're doing. Right.
1: Now we can do work
2: right. or whatever I mean, it you is. Guys that have that butcher have day do.
1: because it wouldn't make sense to make bread and butcher at the same on the same day. So you have butcher day and that's the day that you just, you guys are all out there and you're getting it done. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I've even
2: tried doing lard because the well, we're butchering because <laughs> I thought, well, the burner's right here. I just put right. it in the pan, stir it now and then. I can't even do that because I forget about it. And then it goes dry and I've burned wow. it. So even standing right there. <laughs> Interesting.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, um, but you you guys also, you guys homestead, not just because it saved you money feeding eight children, but you also, and we talked a little bit about how you guys in, have incorporated Know, this healthy lifestyle into homesteading. And that's, um, you know, kind of like a part of your three-legged stool with health and freedom and, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, for you guys, how have you incorporated like the healthy living into how you're raising your animals and like what you have decided to raise on your, your homestead? Because I know, like you were saying, you eat almost all off of your homestead. So that probably means you're not eating a lot of grain because you're probably not growing fields of grain and processing it into flour. So what does your kind of closed loop system, but within a community, you know, right. Like for you guys on your farm and in your health.
2: Yeah. It has evolved a lot. (laughs) Um, We, we started out more thinking like old fashioned homestead and that kind of romantic model but not changing our lifestyle too much um back when we were still in montana when i quit working it finally occurred to me oh if i plan to eat out of the freezer instead of planning what we want and hoping that it's in the freezer and just buying at the store whatever isn't in the freezer you know i can actually make my salary in the garden And with the chickens. And so it kind of started there with saying, oh, as a stay at home mom, I actually make us money by not going to the grocery store because I'm raising our food. And then we got here to Michigan after Mark retired from the military and said, well, we could sell people stuff. That would be cool and so it's kind of evolved and then we came across Weston A Price and realized what it was that we were doing mm-hmm. and why it made a difference um mark had already experienced health benefits because he'd had sciatica and once he started working on the farm so he had purpose he was doing purposeful movement with a goal and he was moving right those I mean, they kind of overlap, but they all have a place in what healed his body from the sciatica. We got here, we started figuring out, oh, we're actually doing something right. And we can use this more, leverage it more, got into that. But then it got to a point because we were doing so much that my health was breaking down. Okay. And I said, okay, I either have to learn how to be healthy or learn how to do business because the business is killing me. It's too much. Right. Um, I had two mentors and one said, you can learn about business anywhere. I can teach you, which I wasn't, didn't feel like I was really learning what I felt like I needed to know. But then our naturopath said, totally go and learn about this health stuff in Ayurveda. You can do this and you need to. So that's what I did. Right. And learned a whole lot more. About what we had around us and how to use it, um that's where we started saying, "Oh, when we eat matters, we can structure our diet so that it saves energy, it flows better, we can digest it, and we can use our food better. eating a heavy meal at eight o'clock at night, even if it is meat and potatoes that we've grown and raised, and you know right. the green beans that I canned from summer, and it's like, well, yeah, it's all great food, but Your body isn't able to use it and you're creating stress in your body.
1: Right. So you guys eat your main meal, a large meal in the middle of the day.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. Because that's the easiest time to cook a big meal. I have energy. It cleans up easy because I still have
1: energy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We started doing that years ago and I don't even think we did it on purpose. It just happened that way because Mm -hmm. the same for me. It was when I had the energy energy. To cook it and clean it up because I'm a very early morning person always have been. Yeah. And I didn't even think about the health benefits of it. At the right. Time. We just did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Cause that, well, that's when your body produces bile the most. Okay. So especially for those of us that are more carnivore, Yeah. <laughs> Carnivoreistic. Um, yeah. that's when your body's really going to digest and use your food.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you guys eat, because you guys grow a lot of meat, your diet is more meat-based. So you mm-hmm. do eat other things too. Um, but I mean, it's kind of hard not to be carnivorous when you have the amazing bacon. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys actually, I've taken your hog class, but I've also taken taken your charcuterie class because you guys actually uh, teach classes on charcuterie and yeah, making yummy, yummy meat that everybody likes to eat. <laughs> Right, so,
2: right, yeah. yeah,
1: and that's that has
2: really been the latest evolution of our thinking and our health and how that works with the farm, because, you know, the old homestead, like you think, little house on the prairie model, yeah. you know, every meal you have bread and you have to have your vegetables. We got taught that got to eat your vegetables and a little bit of meat. and you know, so we're eating three squares a day. But really and truly, that's not how your body works best. You need grains in season. Well, the season for grains is fall and winter. And whole grains, not ground. Because when you grind them, you're eating more than what you actually need. So it introduces imbalance into your body.
1: Right.
2: Um, I do best when I eat my meat and vegetables separately. I've discovered by experimenting with the carnivore model, <laughs> um, huh. because yeah, the carbohydrates in in sugars and the vegetables, and the proteins and the meat actually make a gum that can gum up your your uh, intestines, so things okay, don't work. Is that
1: um, the Ayurvedic teaching?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, who tends to be uh, more vegetarian?
1: Right. I mean, it's from India, so that's not surprising. Yeah.
2: Right. Right. Where we're going more carnivore, but the effect is still the same. Um, And part of it is understanding that especially through the winter in the northern climates, vegetables aren't growing. You got squash, you got potatoes, the roots that you can store in your root cellar, um, dinosaur vegetables like kale (laughs) that will survive all frost until about January. They get kind of gross. Um, that's, but then red meat is what there is to eat because that animal has eaten stuff. We can't eat the grass, um, trees, right. All sorts of stuff, weeds that we can't actually eat. Um, although we eat a lot of weeds too, through the summer. (laughs) Um, and they've converted that into something that we can eat. And that's meat and fat. So homestead animals, the ones that really thrive in a natural regenerative permaculture homestead model are ones that put on a lot of fat. Right. Because we need that. So they've stored all that stuff that we can't eat into the animal in the fall time we harvest it when all those forages are done. We've got the organs, which are super vitamins eaten in the context of the whole animal. And that's right. the winter food that we have in northern climates.
1: So that I, I, I think I know why we consider meat um, more of a winter food. But I'm going to let you answer that question. Why, why is meat seasonally more winter?
2: Because they have stored all of that nutrition. It's a very nutrient-dense food. Um, they've stored things that we can't eat and it's all concentrated in the winter. Your digestive tract changes out from summer. Okay. Just is, it's not a thing we can engineer or anything. It's by design. So in the summer, when we have all the vegetables, the carbohydrates, all of the green stuff, we're designed to eat that we're designed to eat the fruits you need. Uh, that less nutrient density, more of the moisture through the summer.
1: Well, and you're moving in- more too, and I think that when you right. move more, you probably need more of those carbohydrates. Where in the winter you spend more time, at least up here. I mean, I suppose if you're from the tropics, it, it might be different. right but up here.
2: It is you different. Have
1: winter and the snow gets deep, and you're not, you know, you're not out till ten o'clock at night outside up here like you are in other areas mm-hmm. so we we spend a lot more time sitting around
2: right and and okay. you your digestive tract your digestive system is designed to be able to uh digest those heavier foods mm-hmm. but in a shorter window
1: okay
2: because your digestive tract your enzymes and all of that really don't work in the dark, they work during daylight oh, it has hours to do with
1: circadian rhythm and the light dark yeah. cycle. Okay.
2: Absolutely. So in the winter,
1: by design.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You eat that heavy nutrient dense food, lots of fat during daylight hours. So again, your noon meal, really light supper, you know, because it's getting dark, but you need something to tide you over. And you're good to go because you've been nourished, you've gotten the nutrients you need, and that fat will carry you through has the energy. So it's just, it's really a super great design. And it's true. If you're in the tropics, you're in an entirely different environment. Yeah. There's different food available to you then, and you have different needs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then there, and then on top of it, traditionally, we don't, we don't butcher animals when they're in their breeding and birthing season, which yeah. would be spring, fall, you know, all of that. So right. winter makes sense. And then up here, winter makes sense just because for us, we're small. We don't have a lot of equipment like you do. But say when we get deer and stuff like that, because we don't have large animals yet here, um, winter helps us preserve them because we can just hang it in the garage without going bad for a while.
2: Precisely. Yeah. yeah yeah their feed is done. The flies are dead. That's the time to butcher them and process yeah. them. So the nights and days are cold enough
1: starts to make sense, and of course, all of this shifts when you're from somewhere else, but we're all we're from you know um I don't know what parallel you guys are at, but I think we're we're close to the forty fifth so you guys are like probably forty two or forty three but you know we're in that northern part where we're going into our dark season right now for me. Yeah. Um, we're actually doing this podcast in the morning, and it just got light like an hour ago. Mm-hmm. And then it will get dark here around 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, I think, right now. So we just have much less dark. I know the closer you get to the equator, you get less of that dark light cycle. But up here, we get um pretty noticeable swing.
2: <laughs> Very, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. so... For us up here, it just makes sense. And our bodies, you're saying that our bodies crave that that cycle and f- flourish in that cycle, which I actually, you know, I've done a lot of research and reading on health, but I haven't looked as much into that. So I think yeah. I have something I'm going to look into a little bit for the winter. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. it's it's also thrilled me because that means that I don't have to work as hard in my garden.
1: Yeah. Just need
2: what we can eat fresh. Right. We have the greenhouse, but it's low energy input. canning is a huge amount of energy,
1: right yeah, and preserving matters-
2: food is is massive. So if I don't have to do it or do as much of it right. <laughs> it's huge. I don't have to run my canners and run the electric during the summer when it's hot. I don't need as much freezer space,
1: right. I mean, that's so all of that we're not doing this yet, but one of the things we're kind of moving away from canning as much as I love canning. And if people know me, I love canning. I've canned for a (laughs) long time. I've taught class at your farm. I, I love canning, but it does destroy a lot of the vitamins. I mean, you're cooking at high temperature, you're pressure cooking. um, Yeah. And so we're trying to, we are trying to move towards this more seasonal and if we want to save it more fermenting or um, mm-hmm. finding other ways that don't destroy as much of the nutrients. And then, you know, we're looking into this whole seasonal and I, I really like the idea of storing animals more on the hoof yeah, instead of, um, you know, five or six freezers lined up in a garage that I have to power with electricity But it is harder, especially when you guys, I mean, your hogs are, you guys have large pigs. And then when you do a cow, I mean, that's, that's a lot of meat. So, you know, that's different than a couple of chickens running around outside. And that's a one meal type of thing. Yeah. But yeah, because you guys have, you guys have mangalitsa hogs. Yep. Yeah. So your pigs get, I can't remember when I went down to do the charcuterie class, you had a couple of I think there was, was there two or four pigs? I think it was two pigs that we did, or maybe it was three. Yeah. I can't remember, but um, they were pretty big. Like how many, how big are they? Usually,
2: yeah, um, They don't get as big as some. Right. And I forget how big those pigs were. The The pure mangas that we have, they'll hit 400 pounds okay. by the year, year and a half. Um, One of the perks of grass farming Mm -hmm. and soil farming is that you can let your animals hit maturity so our pigs will be 12 to 18 months because of the way that we feed them forages um, because we have heritage breeds and we don't feed the dried grains right so they don't in the winter they can live on snow and they get as much water as they need out of that. And then the food that we give them. Um.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. To your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price,
2: price line. We can let our cows go two or three years because they're eating grass and there is a hay expense in there. Right. But most of the season, they're on grass from May till like December. Right. So you can let your animals hit maturity and get bigger like that okay Uh, for not that much more really and then you get more of that nutrient density again because they've stored all of those minerals they're mature they have mature muscles
1: Um, well and talking about food preservation that was one of the things you guys also do is like i said before the charcuterie right which is basically fermented meat right
2: it is it's considered fermented it's
1: not overly it's not you're not adding high heat to destroy nutrients Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the reasons I took that class was because I wanted to get as much nutrition out of my food as I possibly could, but I did need the storability, um especially like with meat and um and it really helps that it tastes just amazing,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's low energy again, yeah, so for a little bit of salt and the one time input of building the place to put it,
1: right. If the electricity grid goes down, you're okay. It's not or a problem. If it gets like crazy expensive, which is I think seems to be the trend we're headed toward, yep. you know, you want to keep those bills as low as possible, and and running several freezers, um, right? Yeah. Which is a, another
2: one of those things. Like one of the most valuable assets you can have on your homestead is knowledge.
1: Yeah, you've
2: invested Dills. in. Yeah. Um, and especially knowledge not just from books and videos, but experiential knowledge because it's stored in your muscles then. So, that's why we teach this Homestead Hog Harvest class. Right. And it's, you know, it's for the cost of what it would take to butcher one and a half to two pigs, you can own the knowledge to butcher as many pigs as you can either purchase from somebody Yeah. Which, you know, is what you'd have to do or (laughs) raise on your own. Yeah. For the cost, you know, we have the beef butchering class in December for the cost of butchering one or one and a half beef, depending on how you got it cut. You can know how to butcher beef for the rest of your life and deer and sheep and goats and all of it. So that kind of knowledge exchange on the homestead is priceless and is the way that you keep that animal on the hoof for as long as you need to. And you can butcher it in season if you know how to do it and you know what you need and you have that capacity. Otherwise you're at the mercy of right now, whenever you can get it into the butcher, which means you may feed your animal for anywhere from six months to a year longer than what you kind of wanted to.
1: Right. Yeah. And then for you and I, I mean, for me, I appreciate your animals when I, when I buy from you a CSA because the animal was grown there. It was grown with amazing food. And then that animal had literally, what, 20 bad seconds of its life. And then it gets butchered there. So it doesn't get the stress of getting put on a trailer to get mm-hmm. hauled to the butcher, which in itself increases the cortisol level in the animal and then you're eating it at that very peak stress for the animal because the animals it stresses them out to go on a to go on a trailer Mm -hmm. to the butcher and at least here in Michigan when you take your animals to get butchered they're alive and they get um, harvested at the butcher so I just appreciate that you know I'm getting this animal it's very happy when it dies, so there's none of those stress hormonings running through its body. And then, um, yeah, I mean, that just to me that means a lot. And then, and then I have the skill if I need to, to bring that home, and process it all myself. Mm -hmm. And then I get everything that I want. And sometimes I want really weird things. And you're the only person that will send me home with a spleen because most butchers would be like, I don't have time to dig through this animal to find a spleen.
2: Right. And
1: a lot of times the
2: USDA won't let you.
1: Right. Right. So when you do this yourself, you get the whole animal, you get that nose to tail eating. And I know some people, uh, if they're not, I don't know what to call myself, but if if they're not as adventurous as, as I am, (laughs) they're not interested in eating the spleen. However um, for me, that I've struggled greatly with anemia because of my celiac, the spleen is actually one of the most iron rich, even more than the liver. Mm. It's, Mm -hmm. it's just loaded full of, of iron. And um, yeah. And I like to have, I like to use the fat and, you know, and when you're making the charcuterie, there's certain pieces. Now, I, you will know the names of these because I'm still not well versed in that. But there's certain pieces that um, you would wrap in the fat, those fat layers. What do they call those? Like that, that webbing.
2: Oh, the call fat.
1: Yeah, I mean, you use that for certain things, and right? I know, just using the whole animal, I think is designed is how we were designed to eat. The animal absolutely and it wastes less yeah yeah absolutely and then you feed your dogs you guys have livestock guardian dogs
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um it's just it's how you guys create that whole circle on your farm with your livestock guardian dogs and your animals and your fields and you just guys just have like this beautiful farm almost self-sustaining but yet you guys enjoy the community aspect too so you're not like trying to you know Pull up and be completely independent of everything else, but yeah. Oh no.
2: Well, cause yeah. community is a big part of any permaculture, any permaculture model, you know, the soil is a huge community. Yeah, Everything is made to be community. So. Yeah. So that is part of it. Of
1: community you guys, cause we're going to, we're going to start to wrap this up cause you have to go somewhere and I have to go to work, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> You guys are working a lot with the community. You have your, um, the, anyone can tribe Facebook page. And then you've also yep. tried started a tribe. You call it, what do you call that? Tri- the tribe plus
2: the membership is tribe plus. Yeah. Yep.
1: And that's a website where you guys share knowledge and, and everything's in that website. And it's a membership website. And then, um, mm-hmm. your husband, Mark has a, which I hope to get on, um, He has his own like YouTube channel. I don't think it's podcast yet, but it's a YouTube channel for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's actually talking to Harold tomorrow night. So
1: yeah, that will be fun. That'll be fun. So Harold will be on there tomorrow night, but this will actually come out after that. So um, (laughs) people have to go back
2: and look it up. It's the, yeah, our, our two YouTube channels, um, Baker's Green Acres, and we haven't been as active on that lately. So, but it's a huge archive of how to farm and homestead information. And then the anyone can farm experience is like our branch off. So we've kind of taken the education component of what we did and now turned it into its own thing. Right. So that's got a lot of how-to videos on it, as well as Mark's nightly uh, or a couple times a night, a week, nightly podcast broadcast youtube show
1: (laughs) yeah right right um yeah so and then you guys have um so within that tribe plus you guys have and you don't have to be a member of that to do that but when you guys do your your classes and stuff some of that gets recorded and it puts is put into your tribe plus so people have access to it forever if they want it but you guys are offering, I'm looking at your little board behind you. <laughs> you guys are offering um, a beef butcher in December and you have a hog harvest. Looks like this weekend.
2: This weekend.
1: Yeah. Yep. And then you have a charcuterie class in December. and um, But you also teach classes on chickens, right? Yep. We will
2: do the chicken class again next June. Okay. Um, and tribe day, which we'll be- is a like a huge event. Get together event, um, community. We do workshops and this year, I think it's going to be a two day. I don't know. Nice. There was a lot of talk with the second day being more of a skill swap nice. kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. It, after we get through this fall, it'll right. take shape.
1: <laughs> we'll have to sit down and talk about it. Cause I've, I've participated in the first two and it was, it was a lot of fun. So. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh yes. So now you it's going to be the third annual. That's and it will be the third annual, and that's the first weekend after the fourth of July. Yeah. So we kind of have the chicken class will be June, first weekend in or after the fourth of July is tribe day. And then hog harvest is always the first weekend of November.
1: Okay. Um yeah. And then you've had a few teachers teach here and there of other subjects, which yeah. is growing. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: If so, if people are on the facebook group or join the tribe plus you'll know i think we're gonna do one or two through the winter okay we haven't made it that far as far as other than saying we should do this right Um, and i know that craig Schaff would come back and do one
1: yeah which i've spoken of on my podcast for people that are listening Mm -hmm. um craig is one of my mentors and he is a garden guru beyond yes. <laughs> there's we, really no words to describe his abilities there. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. We've learned from him and it's, it's all about the soil.
1: Yep. Soil. Yep. Yeah. If you don't have healthy soil, you are going to struggle to have um, healthy animals and healthy you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you guys yeah. have that. And then, um, and then your son has, you guys have an Instagram page and I will have all of these in um. The show notes. I'll put all of them in the show notes. And um, but you have an Instagram page. Your son is doing phenomenal video work. I just love it. He's doing a really good job. So yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Thanks for having me. And thank you for coming and for just giving up your time. I know it's very valuable. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us today. And thank you, Jill Baker from Baker's Green Acres, for coming and chatting with us, reminding you again to grow where you're planted.
0: Looking around, I find the sea. I think I need a change. The right race, I want to flee. My world, I'll rearrange. I'm getting back to the roots of how it's Growing gardens, picking fruit, raising livestock, living free. like grandma did sitting on her front porch hunting and fishing like a kid once you've done all of your chores it's a mom-